welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, your home for movie news, reviews, and movie fan views. This is the podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Denlevy, joined once again by Rob Dunham. Everybody, let's be friends. (laughs) Yes, no (laughs) soccer shirt for Rob today. We've gone with the Friends Central Perk Coffee Shop t-shirt. Gotta mix it up every once in a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when you have crazy friends who buy you things for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. All right. Well, we've got an excellent show for you. Uh, we're going to be talking about box office updates. We'll give you an update on some movies coming out later this year. And our discussion will focus on movies that exemplify an era or a decade. And we'll give you a specific one later. And of course, our watch list. All right, Rob, let's get started with the box office. Last week's box office results were as follows. Number one for the second week in a row, Free Guy, 18.5 million. Paw Patrol, also in its second week, 13.1 mil. Jungle Cruise, still staying strong with 6.3 million, came in third. Interestingly enough, the three new movies for last week the Protégé, The Night House, and Reminiscence, none of them really had a strong box office showing. Oh, to say uh, that Reminiscence didn't have a strong box office showing is, that's being generous. <laughs> uh, Protégé, 2.9 million. Night House, also 2.9 million. And 2 million for Reminiscence. Uh, that's the one that stuck out to me. Yeah, that's painful. Um, my current theory is, uh, I did see this, uh, so I don't think that the movie itself was the reason. I think what you will see is that people will go to the theaters for big movies, but if it's a movie they just are casual about, they're not going to the theaters when it's available immediately on HBO. Yeah. And that's what Reminiscence was. that It was a non-big release that happened to be available immediately on HBO, and everyone's like, ah, oh, we'll just watch it there. Yep, I agree with that 100%. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that was a disappointing box office showing for all three of those movies. And all three of them, I think, had some level of interest. I mean, I still intend to see The Protégé. I haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah, so you did. I mean, we did. I did hear some things about it, not reminiscence, not being like the best movie. But before seeing it, you're not going to know that. So you still yeah. expect there to be $2 million, it seems like crazy low to me just yeah i i was very surprised by that mm-hmm. and i think the the other uh thing to note is that free guy uh didn't have like a crazy ridiculous drop which no, we've seen, which we've seen almost every big movie that's come out and been number one has had like a 70 percent drop the next week and one of the differences it's not available for streaming mm-hmm. so if you haven't seen it you still have to go to the theater in week two and I, I think it's pretty clear if you want your box office numbers to be up there, you can't have a streaming option. Yeah. It's becoming more and more apparent yeah. as we get down here. Yeah, and you wonder what's what's gonna what the tipping point or breaking point is gonna end up being because you know, if you take the streaming option away, there's gonna be a lot of people who are gonna leave the services that you built around the streaming option. <laughs> so I don't know what's what's gonna happen. It's a tough one. I mean, they probably should work out something along the lines of telling people, hey, you'll get it first here on this 
platform when it does come out. Yeah, uh, I might take your 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 hits may may happen a little bit on the front end, but if people right. hang out on them, you know, in three months you'll get a new movie. Yeah, if you release the if you drop the window from like six months or whatever it is now to three months or something like that. Yeah, that might be a viable alternative compromise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what 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 holds up. But uh, strong showings for Free Guy and Paul Patrol in week two is uh, is a takeaway and reminiscence. So that's rough. I'll talk about my thoughts about it and once we get to the watch list. But uh, opening this week, we have essentially two movies opening this week. One main release and then another one that's a little bit of a smaller release. Uh, so the big release for this week is Candyman, uh, the latest Jordan Peele horror movie. And Candyman is kind of a spiritual sequel, as they're calling it, to uh, the original 1992 Candyman movie. Um, if you've seen the trailers, you know that it's a, you know, fairly typical horror plot, you know. And Jordan Peele has kind of become the master of horror over the, over the past few years. And we'll see we'll see uh neither one of us are big horror genres do you have any intention of seeing Candyman? i probably will just because of jordan peele like mm -hmm. I, I like the stuff he's done so i'll probably check it out at some point okay uh so the second one is together starring james mcavoy and him and his wife in the movie uh are evaluating and re-examining their relationship while locked down during COVID. So this is one of the first larger releases. There have been some other COVID kind of movies that have come out, but this is one of the first larger releases uh, to basically be like, hey, everyone was stuck in the house together. What did that do to your relationship movies? Uh, so that one's the other release for this week. Um, I'm not particularly interested in seeing movies related to COVID. <laughs> I'm just not. <laughs> I mean, it's literally still happening. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't need nostalgia pieces on COVID. We're not that far. We're not that far gone for me to be like, yeah, yeah what was it like? <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not there. Uh, so that's what's coming out this week. And of course, you know, if you haven't gotten a chance to see any of the other movies that have been out recently, Free Guy, Jungle Cruise, Reminiscence, and be the only one in the theater like I was, then uh, wow, um, yeah. you can roll with that. Okay. Uh, a little update on some upcoming movies. Recently, CinemaCon happened. So there was a lot of uh, movie dumps when it came to uh, trailers and uh, special updates and features. So we'll start with The Matrix 4. The Matrix 4 has a title, Matrix Resurrections. Now, apparently they debuted a brief trailer at CinemaCon, but it is not available to the public. So they just told you what was in it. <laughs> <laughs> so as interesting as that is, uh, I think the main takeaways are two things. One, we kind of knew this before, but now it's official that uh, uh, Lawrence Fishburne is not back as Morpheus, um, which I still don't quite get and understand why, considering basically everybody else is back. Um, and Lawrence Fishburne didn't seem like he was like, no, I'm not doing it. He seems more not happy about the fact that he's not in it. So that's one thing. And the second thing, apparently uh, Neo and Trinity 
encounter each other and don't recognize each other in this trailer. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, what, what do you uh, what do you make of the Matrix update? I guess the only way it makes sense for Lawrence Fishburne not to be in this movie is if there's some kind of crazy plot reason. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, it's just stupid. Yeah. Not include him. Yeah, it really is. Uh, so there better be a good explanation and not just one like, oh, we decided not to have him. So we made something up in the movie so that it kind of makes sense. Like, there better have been an actual reason why he's not. Yeah. Him. I don't want to. Yeah, that guy died like one line in the movie. Yeah. And then he's just not there. <laughs> uh huh. That's sure. been done before. And mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of it usually. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so that comes out December 22nd. And that's going to be another one. As of slated right now, it's going to be another one of those same-day HBO theater releases. I wonder if they're uh, they're going to reevaluate before some of these bigger releases between now and then. All right. Yeah, I would so the say ne- the Matrix is one that maybe would still bring people out. That's going to be yeah. that'll be a very if they stick with that, that'll be a very interesting test case mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, and we'll have the test case of Dune in October for that yeah. as well. So. Um, so October like this year or like in two years because <laughs> who knows <laughs> who knows seriously oh yeah yeah the never ending story Dune is the never coming out movie yeah mm-hmm. I don't I don't know which is worse like that or Bond I mean the, yeah. those are the two big ones where you're just like come on just give us the movie already yeah. <laughs> um, but the next one that had and this was this was the big one this is the big one. Spider-Man No Way Home trailer dropped at CinemaCon. And we'll talk about the trailer in a moment. But instantly, it became the most watched trailer of all time. I think it was 355 million views already of the trailer. And it's been out less than a week. Um, that shows some pretty serious hype about this movie. And after watching the trailer, I can understand why. Uh, what did you think of of it breaking the record and thoughts on the trailer? So I remember that conversation we had about not watching trailers. Yes. I'm doing it with this movie. Okay. Okay. And uh, the reason why I chose this movie is because I already know a ton of rumors about what is supposedly going to happen in it. Okay. And I think I would rather see all that stuff for the first time when it's happening than mm-hmm. to see maybe parts of it although I, I i live on the internet um so there's no way i can avoid seeing that alfred molina is in the movie because there were about a <laughs> billion memes made about him uh-huh. so uh i was not going to be able to avoid that and yeah so i'm not i'm not gonna be able to avoid everything it's just not gonna happen mm-hmm. um but i think going into this one without like intentionally watching a bunch of trailers would be an interesting experience so i think i'm gonna try it okay watch this one yet all right i'm not surprised i'm not surprised it's done so well yeah Yeah. i I will be very vague on my thoughts then okay uh, with regards to the trailer i thought there's a spider and a man (laughs) (laughs) yes i thought it was an excellent trailer i think it showed that there's going to be actual consequences. Uh, if you remember from the end of the last movie, it was revealed that he was Peter Parker was Spider-Man. So it appears like there's going to be actual, real, tangible consequences to that. 
Um, and I think the plot looks really fantastic and interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of actual gravity to it. And I think there's also a way in which we can understand why there are not a lot of other of the Marvel characters in this movie. That's always the big trick when you're doing solo movies now after the Avengers is how does how do you make it make sense as just having one or two characters in it? And I think there's a path forward for this one to do that. Uh, so it, it looks very, very interesting. So that's a couple of uh, updates on movies coming out here. And, uh, and that one comes out uh, December 17th. So the end of December is going to have uh, quite a few great movies. So now let's move on to our discussion topic. Uh, so occasionally we're going to come revisit this uh, and tackle different genres, but basically movies that exemplify an era or a genre or a combination of those two. Uh, so today what we're going to talk about is 2000s comedies. So these are comedies that came out between the year 2000 and 2009. And we're each going to pick a couple of comedies that we think represent the era and that particular genre and era and kind of go back and forth as to why we think these are the movies that exemplify it. Uh, so this should be fun. Uh, let's go back and forth. So Rob, give us your first comedy that you believe represents the era of the 2000s. So to me, the era of the 2000s is too broad because I think comedy moves faster than a decade. <laughs> I picked like three separate movies because there's like three, I see three either separate eras or three separate focuses, I guess. Okay. Comedy in the 2000s. And I'll, I'll start at the beginning. So the first movie I picked came out in 2000 and then its sequel came out shortly after Shanghai noon. Oh, okay. Yes. Shanghai mm -hmm. Nice. Those two movies. Because to me, they represent the like goofball buddy comedy kind of thing that was still, I would say that that probably started as a major subgenre of comedy in the mid to late 80s. Mm -hmm. But it was and carried through the 90s, but it was still going on in the early 2000s. And we don't like right now, we don't really see that. No, the kind of it was kind of a take another take on the buddy cop movie. Yeah. And the buddy cop uh, comedy, but with a slight twist, and that neither one of them were kind of cops. Yeah, and it was it was just more more focused in on the relationship. I guess if you want to look at if you want to look at um, maybe more modern movies that you could relate, maybe the other guys or Step Brothers or something like that. Um, but that uh, Shanghai Noon, Shanghai Nights, like it was it was goofy too. Like we yeah. don't. I don't feel like we have much of that right now. No. I mean, comedy is kind of dead right now, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's a good one. That's a good one. I like that. Uh, my first one, and I'll, I'll agree with you in that. I think there are, within the, the range of the 2000s, there are a couple of eras of comedy. So I have one from each of the eras of comedy as I see it. Um, so the first one would be the one that more focuses around the er late 90s, early 2000s. And, and this movie I'm going to choose is Old School. Mm. Old School, Luke Wilson, Vince Vaughn, Will Ferrell, Jeremy Piven. Um, and, and what characterizes these movies is you have a group of comedian friends who get together to put out comedy movies. 
And we saw this throughout the early 2000s, like especially around Will Ferrell, um, Will Ferrell and Vince Vaughn, them and their friends get together and they produce a movie. And there was lots of, there's lots of like, you know, depending on which movie you're talking about, you'll have Luke Wilson in one of them, you'll have Owen Wilson in another, you'll have Ben Stiller here. Uh, so this, this group of comedian friends getting together to produce a movie. Um, so this is, this was the uh, early 2000s era of the kind of like college level, college era comedy, you know, kind of vulgar, uh, very, very funny, um, centered around uh, particularly Will Ferrell and one like major comedian star. Um, so that's why I'm going old school. Yeah. Early 2000s. Yeah. I can't really argue with that. So All right, what's, what, what's your, what's your next one? So for the middle 2000s, um, I, I was thinking more along the line of like slightly more intelligent comedy, mm-hmm. maybe a little more off mm-hmm. the wall not so focused necessarily on the characters, but more on the story or just the funniness for being funny, I guess. Mm-hmm. And the movie that I thought of, one of my favorite movies of all time, and I think a faithful adaptation of the book, although some might argue with me, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy from 2005. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. With Martin Freeman and most deaf, because mm-hmm. I just find it, I find it hilarious. Oh, yeah. And I, like I said, I think it's more focused on the material than it is necessarily focused on the people themselves mm-hmm. you know it's more focused on um i guess being intelligent than being stupid i guess if you want to say that yeah 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 that's good that's good and i i wouldn't have picked that one out initially but i get what you're saying there and the books are hilarious i don't know if you've ever had a chance mm-hmm. to read yeah. the books are great and i thought that was a, that was a pretty fun adaptation my favorite part of the books, and they did a really good job of it in the movie, is uh, they're in this improbability spaceship machine, and it changes the entire world around them when they press the button. And at one point, it turns two missiles into a bowl of petunias and a whale, and they're <laughs> falling through the sky. And it and it says the whale was wondering, like, what what is happening? Who am I? Why is this? What is this? And the bowl of petunias thought, oh, no, not again. <laughs> <laughs> the randomness the randomness is what gets you it really is yeah, yeah. I mean, and of course it's famous for the meaning of the life the universe and everything is 47 yeah you know that's one what, of the one of the earliest lines in the movie is that the spaceships hung in the sky in the exact same way that bricks don't yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh this is I, a great line it's, it's like, so great and it's so clever um, yeah i love it uh, so for me, then I, since I divided up into two, my later 2000s, uh, one is along the same lines. It's another group of comedians who were famous as comedians, who are friends who get together to produce movies. And they produce a lot of movies in that era of the late, late 2000s, early 2010s. And that I'm going to go with super bad. Hmm. Um, Jonah Hill, Michael Sarah, Seth Rogen, uh, that whole crew of uh of comedians who put together a number of movies in that particular era and genre again the coming of age comedy uh you know a little bit more on the raunchy side uh, Mm -hmm. and 
and again, team of comics coming together to produce movies. And so I think that is one that exemplifies the later era. It's a different, um, it's a different era of comedians, kind of the next generation of comedians who came up and came through and started producing movies. So we kind of moved on from the Will Ferrell, Vince Vaughn tandem of the early 2000s and moved on to this other crew uh, who were kind of the kings of comedy movies of that particular era. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, that's that kickstarted a bunch of careers. That movie, and then a few ones after it. Sure. Mm-hmm. All right. So, what's your last one? What do you got? Uh, the last one I have was another era I saw starting in the late two thousands that carried over into two thousand tens, and I think is still with us today. Is like the sarcastic, dry kind of comedy. That still makes you laugh, but it, you're almost laughing at the people, not at like it being funny. And I think you'll agree with me on this too. And I think that you'll be like, hmm, uh, Burn After Reading 2008. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. I found that very funny. Yeah. But it's yeah. not funny in the it's sense not a that traditional, it's like, like it's, it, you have to be in the story following yeah. the characters to get why it's funny. Yeah. It's not really people making jokes. It's just be like we're laughing at their expense kind of yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah no. I, see, I see that as like a subgenre that really started in the late 2000s and i think is still around today so mm-hmm. yeah no i would agree with that i think yeah that's an interesting choice i like that choice yeah because i've seen i've watched burn after reading with several people who didn't get it didn't think it was funny we're like what was that but I agree. It was, yeah, that was, that was quite interesting. Um, I think Brad Pitt's character exemplifies that type of humor in this movie. And just, I mean, the scene, the scene where he pops up in the closet, <laughs> I mean, that one right there, he's like, Oh man. <laughs> yeah. That's great. And the look he's got on his face in that moment, uh, just classic. Yeah. Yeah, really, so really. Burn really After Reading came out in 2008. I want to check that out. Yeah. I like this. I think because both of us, both of us hit on very different aspects of comedy for that, for that, yeah. uh, for that decade. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I definitely have to do that again. Mm-hmm. So if you have uh, a particular thought on 2000s era comedy and movies you think exemplified the genre, uh, send us a message. Let us know what you think. Also, uh, if you'd like to see us discuss a particular era and genre of movie, let us know. And uh, we will revisit this one later. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Uh, So let's move on to the watch list. Movies that we watched over the past week. Um, Rob, go ahead and get us started. So I watched one movie the last week because I've been ridiculously busy and just keep on not making it to the theater when I want to. But that should be changing soon my my uh my life is my life situation will be changing soon so my wife is quitting her job so that will um i mean i'm transitioning from part-time plus part-time to full-time plus part-time so that will be uh an interesting transition for me but should leave some nights potentially open to actually go watch movies which will be cool um but i watched the sum of all fears with oh yes and morgan freeman Mm -hmm. And uh, I've seen this movie a few times before, but it's interesting. I think, especially when it comes to a movie of this genre, at times 
if you haven't watched it in, I probably haven't watched it in over five years. And if you haven't, you find yourself like, I remember that and I remember that, but like, you don't remember everything mm-hmm. from the movie unless you've watched it a ton of times. Like, I, I could probably tell you what happens in the Shawshank Redemption from the first scene until the end, but yeah, a movie like this, that's it's also the same kind of drama, longer movie. I just can't do it because I've seen it less than a handful of times. Mm-hmm. But I really like the movie. I, I like Tom Clancy a lot. Uh, and I think this this uh, particular one does a really good job of adapting the book. And my only gripe with it was the fact that the scoreboard in the football game they're at says Chicago against Miami and they're in Baltimore. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that it was pretty good see i if i'm not mistaken didn't they switch the bad guys in that from tom clancy's book it's possible yeah because i'm pretty sure if i remember correctly i'm pretty sure they were uh they were not neo-nazis yeah i mean nuke ne- ne- yeah neo-nazis were i guess the bad guys but the the main they're like they're like the driving force behind what happened but the i wouldn't even say it's not that's not even like focused on because the major the yeah. major plot line focuses on was it russia attacking the u.s right and that's way more of the story than it is no it was actually the neo-nazis it's kind of like a mm-hmm. like afterthought yeah <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah it was good because i watched this one a few months ago and i hadn't seen it in a long time either and it was better than i remember it being when i originally watched i remember thinking ah, eh, it was all right possibly because i was very much enjoying the uh the harrison ford versions mm. and i absolutely love hunt for red october um so but they yep. i mean you've had three different four different actors play Jack Ryan in movies. And then of course, another one play it in a mm-hmm. TV show. Yeah. Uh, so this has not been a character that has been established through continuity of actor, uh, but more as in the quality of Clancy's writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah. Much more James Bond esque when it comes to who's playing Jack Ryan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, for me, I got to theaters this week and I saw Reminiscence. And, and you were the only person there. I was the only said. person. It was in the biggest theater in <laughs> Regal. And I'm sitting there by myself. Now, of course, it was a Wednesday at like 740. So I guess, yeah. it's, you know, it's not, you know, a super popular time to go. Right. It's still pretty depressing. Yeesh. Yeah. Um, I liked the movie. I honestly did. Um of course, this is a genre that I am a fan of, uh, and it's more like the techno sci-fi. Um, things I enjoyed about it, uh, the acting performances were excellent. Um, of course, you have the cast of actors between uh, Tandy Newton and uh, Rebecca Ferguson. And, um, of course, um, now I'm blanking out on his name. Jacked man. Jack, what was that? Huge Jackman. Huge Jackman, of course. It's like <laughs> I hate that. I get in there and get ready to talk about somebody whose name I know, and then it just blanks. Yeah, Hugh Jackman was excellent. Uh, the acting was definitely standout. I really enjoyed Rebecca Ferguson. I think she is a fantastic actress, and um, the weight of her performance, I think, really makes it a worthwhile. Uh, it it creates the pathway for what's going to happen. Um, so I, I am pleased with that. The visuals were 
uh, were interesting and, and kind of stunning. I love, I love the, um, I love the concept of how memory becomes its own drug, uh, mm -hmm. which is something they really delved into. Memory becomes its own dr drug. And uh, what happens when we can, I mean, we know we have a hard enough time moving on from the past sometimes in general. Now, what happens when you can actually physically relive the past? How much more of a drug does that become? And what are the consequences as a result? Uh, I think it explores that to an interesting degree. Um, things I didn't really love. Um, I'm, I'm just kind of the whole, like it wasn't necessary to the plot line. Um, there's a little bit of a post-apocalyptic feel to it because half the city is underwater and, you know, that sort of stuff. But the whole, the whole like rich people get everything, poor people are always, you know, <sighs> It's, it, it wasn't necessary to the plot, and it just felt a little cliched uh, mm -hmm. from that aspect of it. Uh, wasn't a huge fan of that. There are a few holes in the story um, that get jumped over a little bit, and um, so it wasn't a perfect movie, but I thought, it was, I thought it was perfectly reasonable quality movie and worth seeing. So it was a little surprising to see the box office numbers on that. But I, again, I'd be interesting to see what the streaming numbers on HBO is, how many people are actually checking it out. Cause I think it was a pretty decent movie. Um, and I would recommend it. Uh, the second one I saw was I rewatched yesterday. And that is uh, basically the film around Beatles music where a, uh, a failing singer songwriter wakes up uh, from a blackout and a bus accident and he is the only one who remembered that the Beatles exist hmm. and then he just starts uh reissuing the Beatles music and becomes the world's most popular musician uh I think it I think there's just so much heart in this movie and there are moments where um it really displays and puts on uh, a face of just how transcendent the Beatles music actually was and is and from a musical film standpoint, it's just really, really good. It's, I really enjoy it. And there's, there's a, a really, there's several moments that are just really special in it. Um, and it's absolutely worth watching. Even if you're not a big Beatles fan, I think you'll get a lot out of it. The characters are really dynamic and um, really enjoyable and heartfelt. I think it's just a very heartfelt movie. And yeah, I, I very much enjoy it. Have you seen it? I haven't. I still need to see it. So yeah, you definitely need to get on that. I think you'll really enjoy it. As a musician, sure I think you really enjoy it. All right. So now we are going to recommend to close out the show. We will recommend another comedy movie. It's a weekend. You're in the mood for some laughs and some fun. Recommend another comedy. Go ahead, Rob. So I went off uh, what I had said about Burn After Reading in 2008 and picked another movie that's similar. And this one, I think sometimes you're laughing and you feel bad <laughs> that you're laughing because it's a true story and just the guy's life is absurd. And when the end of the movie, they show some of him like actually talking or like some of what he actually said and you're like, oh, they didn't make that up. That actually happened. <laughs> And uh, 2009, the informant, Matt Damon. Ah, okay. Because it's just ridiculous. Like, this guy was ridiculous. <laughs> so it's not a comedy because they're trying to make you laugh. It's more a comedy like, 
I can't believe this person is this stupid. How could they ever make this up? And then you realize at the end they didn't. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, another uh, another one from a you know classic comedy actor, and that's Ben Stiller. I'm going to go with Tower Heist. Hmm. Tower so Heist is yeah. is a really funny movie. It's good. It's well done. It's got some action. It's got some comedy. Um, it's got people hanging from cars. It's outside of uh, you know New York skyscrapers. Uh, there's just there's it's, it's a fun movie. It's it's just a good quality, enjoyable movie uh, that lots of people can enjoy. So you can watch it with you can watch it with family. You can watch it with your wife or husband it just it's it's got a broader appeal range than you know some comedies do Mm -hmm. so tower heist check that one out all right well that is the show and thank you for checking out film for fans uh hopefully you will rate and subscribe and tell your friends about film for fans and we will catch you next time until then enjoy the movies